Digital Drift, Episode 6. Recorded Wednesday, 12th of February, 2014. The Fifty Shades Trilogy. Ooh, said with such venom. Deep discussion and entertaining analysis of movies, games, and media culture. Welcome to the Digital Drift. This episode covers all three books by E.L. James, Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, and Fifty Shades Freed. For the first two, we went back to the episodes of Dorkcast that I recorded back in 2012 and 2013 with Leah Haydu and Matt Ramsey. We're presenting edited highlights here, but if you want to listen to the complete package, you can find the Dorkcast podcast feed on iTunes and the Gamer Dork website. Do you talk about its complete package? Suppose so, yeah. There is very little discussion of actual penis. <laughs> Which seems like a missed opportunity. It does really, doesn't it? This first part is from Dorkcast Volume 3, Episode 5, released on the 7th of November 2012, and covers the first book. Here's the first thing that I will say about Fifty Shades of Grey. It's a 400-page book. How is this book 400 pages? Fifty Shades of Grey, for anybody who, who is still with us and um, doesn't know... Run screaming for the hills. Check spoiler notes. You don't want to know. I mean, do you know what? There's only one way to put it. This is a teenage romance with restraint cuffs and floggers in it. That is really the only way that I can sum it up. I believe Elaine called it uh, a beginner's guide to BDSM. Yeah, which is fair, sort of, if the only things you want to know about BDSM are things that you can look up on Wikipedia. I would also like to note that this is literally something that started life as Twilight fan fiction. Yes, literally. Which, I'm not now, making that up. I'm not. It actually was. Here's, here's the thing. I had forgotten when I first started reading it that this was how it, it, it had germinated, that it had begun as, as a piece of Twilight fan fiction, that basically there'd come a point where she changed the names and got a publishing deal. So so the characters are... So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading it through the beginning bit. She, you know, she meets... Christian Grey, who is the the, um, the, the Grey of the title, um, who is based on Edward and the main character in the book, uh, Anna, short for Anastasia, because, you know, it is obviously based on Bella and it, the descriptions. I believe that um, one of my favorite things and one of the first things that you will notice if you're actually reading this is that, as, as you, Sharon, were saying on Twitter when you started reading this, she meets, you know, within the space of about... 20, 30 pages, she meets a handful of characters, every single one of whom is described as beautiful or stunning or attractive or gorgeous or flawless or perfect. Nobody is average except for her. Yes, indeed. But you see, that's the thing, right? This is this is page one. This is chapter one, page one, okay? She's introducing her main character. Uh, she's just woken up. She's sat in front of the mirror. She's brushing her hair. I attempt once more to bring it under control with the brush. I roll my eyes in exasperation and gaze at the pale brown-haired girl with blue eyes too big for her face staring back at me and give up. My only option is to restrain my wayward hair in a ponytail and hope that I look semi-presentable. That's the first page. That's how she introduces her main character. Already, and this is deserving of congratulations, she's she's created a main character I don't give a living shit about. (laughs) I don't care what happens to this girl, because her main 
aim within the first page of this this story that is supposed to draw us in and and make us understand who she is and what she cares about is she is fussing with her fucking hair and staring into the mirror with her too big too pale eyes and and just she's probably biting her lip there it oh god <laughs> lip biting oh my god the lip biting okay. what is that about so so it, and, and I'm, I'm i'm reading it and i'm visualizing Kristen stewart doing exactly that <laughs> if they do make this into a film and i'm fairly certain that it's inevitable oh, I if they don't it. get Kristen stewart and robert pattinson to play the lead roles there is no fucking they, justice they in the have world missed a trick they have that. really missed a trick if they don't do that so but if if in if on any given page you do not find one of the following <laughs> then um you surprise i am utterly shocked um she will either be biting her lip uh, rolling her eyes, saying, holy shit. Occasionally it goes into holy crap or holy fuck, but usually it's holy shit uh, in italics. Turning, oh, go ahead. Or mentioning that she's that there's something about her that's less than perfect or wanting to run her fingers through Christian's hair. That's a big one. Oh, the trousers hanging up his <laughs> Yes. Tr- oh, my God. Everything. Sweats. Jeans, whatever this guy wears, they hang perfectly off his hips. That's not what trousers do, honey. If they do, they're not stitched up right. I mean, if they do, you need a belt. Yes. Oh, my. And, and she refers to him as so incredibly good looking that after a while I started hearing this like flipping Zoolander. It was just, there's, there is a, there is a website somewhere that gives you guidelines on how to write terrible fan fiction. Here's all the things that you need to avoid if you don't want your work to be bland, boring, ridiculously dull, and utterly off-putting to anybody who picks it up. And she ticks every fucking box they've got on that page. Do you guys know what a Mary Sue is? I was just about to say, this has the Mary Sue issue real bad. Real, because, you know, everybody in this universe is gorgeous, except apparently for her. And yet, every single male character wants to fuck her. Wants her. Yes. And Absolutely. she doesn't want any of them. She does not care. No. She's 21 years old. I think I said this in a text today. She's 21 years old and has never been sexually aroused by anything ever. No. Ever. Ever. Until she meets. Until. Seven-year-old. Devastatingly handsome. No. It's hanging off. Good-looking, gorgeous, angelic, did we mention rich, philanthropic billionaire, who, for some reason that she is unable to put her finger on, literally, it's in the contract, she can't put a finger on it. (laughs) Yes, there is, by the way, an NDA and a contract. Oh my god. They're two separate pieces that yes. um, actually take up a fair number of pages because you yeah, have the entire she, contract. She does the contract twice. <laughs> she does she does the contract first of all when she reads it and oh she does god. it in full with all the little clauses and appendixes and everything and then later on when they revise it she prints it out again with lines through the bits that they've taken out. You could have just said we removed that bit from the contract but no you wanted another five pages in there, didn't you? Was she getting paid by the word? That's the only thing I can think of that was going on here. Potentially. And and I think possibly being paid by the letter as well, because there's at least 
four occasions that I can think of, and I'm sure there are more if I, if I went through it with a highlighter pen, but I'd mess up my Kindle if I did that. At least four occasions where she uses ridiculously long words when it's not necessary and is a big neon sign saying, look, I know a long word. <laughs> ah! And the cultural references are exactly the same. She'll just randomly drop in a Seattle painter or, um, you know, here's this, this opera that we're listening to. Or and a band. Say, or a, yeah, no, absolutely. It is, it is dated very much that way because she intentionally does so. Absolutely. But, and it just comes Look across. how cool I am. What I know about. So, so that's, that's the first thing that frustrated me about it was just that the writing is so appallingly bad. We, we should mention, uh, by the way, uh, if, if anybody does not know what a Mary Sue is, a, uh, Mary Sue is essentially, well, well, Sharon, do you want to explain it? This is supposed to be your book. <laughs> it's, well, no, that's fine. They're going to get sick of hearing me talk by the end of this. <laughs> a, a Mary Sue is basically when you create a character for fan fiction. It makes it evident that this is all is all for fantasy fulfillment. You take a, a character which is ostensibly based on you, and um, you put them into the world, and you give them all incredibly positive qualities. If they have a flaw, it's got to be a really cute flaw or something that isn't really perceived as a flaw. Everything about them is is wonderful. They have cat-like reflexes. They dress unconsciously elegantly. Um, everybody who meets them falls in love with them. They and are very that, much that the center of that universe. Absolutely. That whole men want to be them, women want to be with them, or obviously reversed if it's a, a female and female straight character, it is entirely true. James Bond is actually a pretty good example in, in mainstream mm-hmm. uh, uh, fiction of, of somebody who is basically a Mary Sue. Well, they refer to them as Gary Sues. Um, <laughs> I don't think uh, I've actually heard that, but that, that's appropriate. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she has actually outright said, and by she, by the way, I should refer to her by name because that's not fair otherwise, but oh, it's uh, E.L. James yes. um, is, is the author of this book. She has said that this is basically her putting her fantasies on paper. And moving on from the the poor quality of the writing, um, and it's 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 everything. It's character depth of which there is none. It's it's plot interestingness of which there is none. It's it's beckin shameful. I mean, on the plus side, it's made me think Twilight's actually not all that bad. <laughs> you know. There's that. But then, then there comes the other part of it, which is the, the, what has earned it the rather odd title of mummy porn. It is a story about BDSM, ostensibly. It's, it's the, the introduction of this young woman to, uh, young woman, she's a girl. Um, she's very much a girl. And, and her introduction to this world of bondage and, and um, sadomasochism and, and dominance. But it's not, because the world of BDSM is a world. It has more than one person in it, and the only person she interacts with is Christian Grey. The only person she is allowed to interact with is Christian Grey. And there's there's quite a big thing made of the fact that she's a virgin, that she has the uh, sexual experience of a water snail. It's just the fact that it's been built up to be so risque and so daring and and it introduces women to thoughts that they would never possibly have had will you fuck off with your marketing department it's terrible you know what the story of O 
1954, this book has been told better 50 years ago. That's something else that I think, as I read through it, and it, and it went through the, the various sex scenes, of which there are many. Because I haven't gotten too far into it yet, because she hasn't actually signed the contract. But so far, I mean, It does okay. take a while to sign the contract, actually. Oh, yeah. Of I mean, she signed the NDA, but she hasn't signed the contract. Wow, I can't... Oh, right. <laughs> you know it's sexy if there's a contract. <laughs> you know it's sexy if there's a... You know it's sexy if there's a contract which has the word defecation in it. It does. Um, <laughs> that's a hard limit, by the way. You'll be pleased to know. Um, and that's one of the other things that got to me. It, this This guy is supposed to be introducing her to a world of sexual exploration and and the whole point is is that he you know he says he wants to to push her to her sensual limits and and help her to explore all sorts of things but he's got these hard limits which which he's basically him saying these are the things we will never do they are off the table no questions asked and that's fair obviously if you're going to organize something like that you're going to want to say up front these are the things i know i don't like but it's a bit unfair in the sense that she doesn't know what she doesn't like yeah <laughs> and he's forbidding her to find out what she doesn't like yeah maybe maybe one of those things she was really into it turns out maybe you know be and i mean it's the, the, they're quite the things that that I think a lot of people would have as their hard limits. You've got the whole sort of, you know, no children, no animals, no... Yeah, I, I can kind of see why she did that and why she chose the things that she did because yeah. otherwise she wouldn't be marketable enough because people would yes. go, ooh, you're going to do that? I don't think so. And, but, and she wouldn't have gotten all the money that she's getting. Yeah, but then she goes on... Uh, uh, but using uh, a vibrator, whoo, that's tiddling. Hey, I'm not going to judge because, do you know what, my, my attitude to this, and, and, and I'm really don't want to get into the too much information but i i am of the of the belief that what floats your boat if it's consenting adults involved go for it i agree you know what there's there's very little that that people can do with each other that hasn't been done and as long as i mean the no kids no animals i'll go with because there's there's no consent involved there right so that's that's to me where it stops but other than that if you agree, you're comfortable, and you're happy with it, who is anyone else to say that that's not okay? I, I completely agree. But she presents this little list of hard limits, and, and, and I nearly called a Bella there. Anna's response to this is, I can completely understand the hard limits. What sane person would possibly want to get involved with any of this? Well, you've just completely alienated the people of your audience who are in water sports, so... You know, it's marketing aside, you've already declared what segment of the market you want to take. And it's, it is a teen romance. It really is the actual interaction that takes place between them, the, the sex side of it notwithstanding. It's so childlike and it's so, it's, it's twilight. It is twilight. There is, there's no other way of putting it. And that is a book that was written for teenage girls. And yet, BDSM and we're marketing this to mummies who don't get enough sex in their lives. <laughs> I just, I can just see him sparkling. Does he sparkle ever? Does he sparkle? He might as well. He That's might the as ending. Well. He sparkles. He glows. He does. Does she glows? I don't know. I, oh. after, after her, after baby's first spanking, I, she, she glows. She does. That's as far as I've gotten. He spanked her. The first spanking. Uh huh. I'm sorry. I'm just calming myself down here. I just okay. Oh, deep breath. This book makes me so angry. There is a. What I will say is this: if you 
were interested in reading this book because you wanted to to read some commercially sanctioned sexy literature there there is literotica out there that's been around for years and it's better than this go and find some i will i will give leah some links to put in the show notes go and read the better stuff please please i need to know that people are moving on <laughs> to better stuff after this because if they read this and go oh yeah that's what it's all about it's failed it's failed miserably I I would like to think that maybe if people read this and want to go read more, they will go find. I I don't I don't know a whole lot about that that particular brand of literature, but there's got to be better stuff in this. And if people, I mean, if it if it in fact serves as that, if people say, oh okay, cool, I want to read more, and you know, and end up at other things, then great, good for them, and I'm happy that they found a way in. (laughs) But (laughs) sorry, I promised I wouldn't, but then I did. But I, I don't really see that happening. I see them keeping well-thumbed copies of all three of these books in their nightstand, and that's it. Or possibly venturing into one of the selection of bandwagon-jumping books that have, have suddenly... Oh, happened. that's right. So when I went to the Nook bookstore to look this this thing up, and I typed Fifty Shades in, I want... I want to read off the list of what happened when I typed in Fifty Shades. Let's see. First, somebody came and arrested you. Yeah. <laughs> I looked around to make sure no relatives, friends, anybody <laughs> yeah. that I cared about what they thought was actually paying attention. So um, we have the the first several are the actual. We have Fifty Shades Freed and Fifty Shades Darker, which I assume are the I mean are the two sequels. I don't know what order they go in. We have Fifty, Sa- 50 Shades of Chicken. Fifty Shades of Mr. Darcy, Cosmos, Fifty One Shades of Black, Fifty Shades of Ecstasy, Fifty Shades of Stupid, I should probably buy that one, uh, Fifty Shades of Pink, Fifty Shades of Louisa May, Fifty Shades of Grace, Fifty Shades of Erotica, Fifty Shades of Victorian Desire, Fifty Shades of Blue, The Trilogy, Fifty Shades of Red, Fifty Shades of Gray-ish, Fifty Shades of Red, White, and Blue, Fifty Shades to a Better Sex Life, Fifty Shades of Infectious Zombies, What? I want that one. It's actually a dollar. Maybe I should buy that. (laughs) Perfect. Wow. Fifty shades. Oh, and my personal favorite: Fifty Shades of Gay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just the first page. There are ten pages of this. Ten. Um, Spanked by the billionaire. (laughs) She should have just called it that. Fifty Shades of Embarrassment. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Cucumbers. Fifty Shades of Rainbow. Uh huh. Fifty Shades of Pain. Fifty Shades of Goo. Ew. Oh, my inner goddess. Oh, the inner goddess and the subconscious. Do, do you know what? Somebody did not look up what subconscious actually means. No. The, these are basically personifications of a little devil on her shoulder and a little angel on her shoulder. Uh-huh. That's that's all they are. It, she's she's constantly referring to you know every time anything sexual happens and she gets turned on. Oh, my inner goddess was flapping her hands with delight. What is your inner goddess six? Because if so, that makes this even worse. And any time that anything happens, that I'm just trying to think when 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 does her subconscious rear its head? Because her subconscious is the one that keeps telling her he's not good enough for you. Why would he be interested in you? 
No, there's no, no. No, it's not. It's not. He's not good enough for you. It's you're not good enough for him. There's Sorry, no, that's one. Oh yes, no, there's no possible no, yes. way that he could possibly actually want you. You're a whore. Um, it's incredibly important that we get that the right way round. Yes. Because and and here's the next thing. This is and this is the other thing that made me, frankly, fucking furious about this book. There is no part part of her psyche that at any point says to her, this guy is an abusive shit, leave now. Her roommate says that to her. Roommate says it. I think her roommate's the only sane one in the whole goddamn book. Abso-fucking-lutely. Give that girl a novel of her own. Seriously. She's even got, her roommate hooks up with Christian's brother. So she even has an example of a relationship that is working. Because they're incredibly affectionate with each other. They're very open and honest with each other. Um, they're, they're obviously very happy together. It, I mean, it's in a very shallow way, but you've got the example there of this is a relationship. Which comes over and helps them move after he's yeah. known her for like a week. Absolutely. Nice guy, generally. But, but that totally gets swept aside. Her mother gets involved in this and, and, and starts off with like, I'm really worried about you. You know, you, you talked about this guy and since you've been seeing him, your behavior's kind of changed and I'm, I'm concerned about the way that, that you're, you're feeling and you, every time I see you, you're crying. Every time I talk to you, you're upset. What's wrong? He walks in and the stalking. <laughs> yeah. He tracks her cell phone. He tracks herself. He turns up in his private jet at the hotel where she is drinking Cosmopolitans with her mother, having gone across the fucking continent to try and get a little bit of a break from him. He finds out addresses without her telling him. He finds out uh, just things about her. He can, he can track her anywhere. And when somebody does that, what they're saying is, this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he says that in as many words, a lot of places. He says that a lot of times. What she'll say something like, "Why do you do this?" And his answer is always, "Because I can." He says that more than once. He says that a lot, in fact. Indeed. <clears throat> but then but, he he shows up, and he's rich, and her mother's smitten as well. And all of a sudden, that potential voice of reason gets kicked out. Of the oh, her mother loves him. Her father loves him. Everybody loves him except for her best friend yes. slash roommate. Yes. Kate, we like you. Yes. You are sensible. Not even sensible. She's obviously quite a romantic person. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Just but, as long as you have something of a brain. But there, there, is, there is a side to this book which is actually really incredibly sinister. And towards the end of the book, they do, she does start to touch on this a little bit more. And it, it seems to imply that in the, uh, the sequels, they're going to explore the psychological reasons why Christian is the way he is. But it got, it got to the point where there's actually a, there is a Twitter feed called Fifty Shades is Abuse. And they linked to a definition of uh, psychological domestic violence. And this is something that I have a little bit of experience with, partly from the job I used to do, um, which involved working for the police. Um, and did involve having phone contact with people who were being, uh, who were subject to domestic violence or abuse, or because it's very, very important that people understand it doesn't necessarily have to be physical violence, um, and often the other kinds of abuse are worse, because a lot of the times they're harder to walk away from. 
because you don't necessarily realise it's happening until it's too late. And I read this this definition of, of what constituted psychological abuse, and then I went back to reading the book, and I was, I was only a few chapters in when I read that, and I went back to the book, and it started reading like, you know that Vogue for um, books about child abuse? Like A Boy Called It, and, and there were various assorted okay, yes. stories yeah, right. that came out, where it was, it was basically people talking about the horrendous childhoods they'd had, and here were all the things that their parents did to them. And that was how it started reading to me. It started reading like a fucking cautionary tale. Like, if you meet somebody who behaves like this, get out. Because if you stick around, it will get worse. And he, he starts to lavish her with very expensive gifts. He, got, he buys her, the, I mean, the first thing he gets her, and this is, he's known her for a matter of days at this point, he buys her some first editions of, um, of is it Tess of the D'Urbervilles? Uh, yes. Which is obviously intended to be sort of a parallel to, to how things are, are progressing or are going to progress in their relationship. But he gets her these first editions and, and her roommate finds out that they they are available for about $14,000 or something. So she decides that this is far too much to, to spend on her and she's got to give them back to him. But eventually, he, he basically talks her into keeping them. And he, he doesn't like the fact that she drives uh, an old car because he thinks it's unsafe. So he buys her a new car. And she says, no, this, this is too much. It's like an hour. I think there was a computer in there in the, uh, yeah, in, in the interim. A really, a really like a, a, they call it... It's some kind of Mac that they say isn't even on the market yet, and yeah. (laughs) But but she's also he also gets her BlackBerry, so he's not you know they're not entirely um, so that he can keep tabs on her. Exactly, and he's and then he starts telling her she's got to take this laptop and her BlackBerry with her wherever she goes, so that he knows where she is, and and um, you know, and he gives her this car, and she says no, that's too much, and and he talks her into he talks her into keeping the car, and she flies out to um, buy. To if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but this was the one that got me. Buy, if I'm not mistaken, saying, oh yeah, well I guess maybe we could try the relationship thing once a week or so if you keep the car. Otherwise, yeah. no. And, you know, she, she insists on buying her own ticket. He's, he, she wants to go and visit her mother who lives in, in Georgia. Um, and he says, take the jet. And she says, no, that's fine. I'll fly commercial. I'll go home. I'll buy my own ticket like a normal person. And he finds out without speaking to her about it, what flight she's on when she's, you know, uh, what ticket she's got. And he upgrades her to first class and she starts out when she picks up the ticket and they tell her that she's been bumped up to first class and she realizes that he's done this. Her initial response is she feels really uncomfortable about it. And she's like, oh, I really wish he hadn't done this. He's really put me on the spot here. But she feels like she kind of has to do it because now that this is they've, they've moved her seat now. She is petrified for the first part of the flight because she thinks he's going to turn up on the flight. As the pilot, potentially. Yeah. I haven't gotten to the yes, train yet. Yes, but, um... <laughs> at this stage. I just had a really unsettling thought as listening to you describe this, and I think this is kind of what you were getting at. The thing with all of the him buying her expensive things, and to, well, to a pretty large degree, actually, kind of spreads out to the rest of the book, but this is, this is what made me think about this, is she starts out saying no, and then he keeps pushing, and eventually she gives in, and it becomes a yes. 
Exactly. And wow, it, that's not disturbing at all. No. Awesome. And the fact that every time she tries to talk to him seriously about the misgivings that she has about the relationship, he distracts her with sex. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a classic tactic for, for people who abuse and know what they're doing. And he uses the fact that she gets very easily aroused by him, which, like, way too easily aroused. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go out and say that, way too easily aroused. Like, he blinks and she comes. That's, <laughs> that's, that's. More or less, yes. No man in the world can do that and stop setting it up for people to, you know, if this is being read by people who likewise have very little experience of sex and they're reading this and thinking, wow, this is what sex is like. I'm sorry to burst that particular bubble. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And there's a, there's a point in the contract where he actually, one of the, the uh, restrictions is that she is forbidden to masturbate, which she passes this off as, well, that's fine. I don't anyway. Never have. Would never be interested in doing. How in the world is she supposed to explore her sexuality when she is forbidden to do it when he's not in the room? And there's a, there's a scene where he, uh, later on, where he kind of encourages her to, to do it with him. And then he sort of steps back and says, okay, now you go. And she won't. She says, no, 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 you, you, it feels better when you do it. I am speechless. Well, I'm not, obviously, I'm not. I'm <laughs> rambling on about it, for, for which I do apologise. I didn't actually intend to go on quite this much. But, but it's, it's, it, it bothers me. It really seriously bothers me that this is, again, like I said, I'm going to come back to this, teen romance. This is a Mills and Boone with chains in it. There, there have been many, many books written like this before. It's just that they've been ignored. And ultimately, it is, it concerns me that there are going to be people reading this and, and idealizing this form of relationship. And it is potentially a very, very harmful form of relationship. And the way that it seems to be going, and I'm now torn as to whether I want to read the rest of it to see where it goes, and just thinking I I am not going to put myself through any more of this. But it seems to be going down the line of you get a man who is like this, who is disturbed enough to want to do these things. And again, it's not the fact that he wants to do these things, because that's that's his cookie, that's fine, you know, if he's involved with people who are, are all mutually consenting, not a problem in the world. You go out there, you have fun with it, enjoy yourself. It seems to be driving towards the fact that this man is, is extremely damaged, that bad things have happened to him, and this is his response, that he wants to... He is very, very controlling. This is almost from the word go. They keep coming back to this. He's a control freak, he's a control freak, he's a control freak. He's, he admits this, but he says, this is who I am. And, um, in fact, hang on a minute, I think I had a quote that she's, she's talking about trying to, to come to terms with how she feels about her relationship with Christian. And she says, I realize now that's just the way he is. He likes control over everything, including me. Yet he's so unpredictably and disarmingly agreeable, too. He can be tender, good-humored, even sweet. And when he is, it's so left-field and unexpected. Right, so it's, unaf- uh, it's unexpected that he's good-humored and sweet. Most of the time he is shitty to you and controlling and you know she makes reference a couple of times i think to the fact that he treats her like an employee yeah 
and the, the contract makes her feel that way. And, and obviously the, the essence of why this is bad is that that's not what she wants. She wants a proper relationship with him. And it, it seems as though the way the story is leading is, you know, you, you can get a guy who is this damaged, but if you kiss him enough, it's all going to turn out right in the end. And you know what? It's not. It doesn't work like that. People don't work like that. You can't just be kind and sweet and innocent enough to somebody who has been very, very hurt and very, very damaged and expect that that is going to make all of that go away. I know it's fantasy, and that's what people will come back with when I make that argument, but it's fantasy, it's not meant to be taken literally, it's not real. I know that, but these messages seep in. And it's, it's all of this, it's why fairy tales piss me off. It's why Mills and Boone novels piss me off. Because they set up this image of a relationship that doesn't exist. And they say, this is the ideal. They set you up to fail because they say, this is what you're aiming for. And if you can't do that, you know what, lady, you're shit at being a woman. And that offends me to my very core. I'm just, I, I, I snort in derision because I, I'm thinking of all of the things that you would have to do in order to fulfill what she has set up as being Christian Grey's ideal woman. And, yeah. Well, I know I've already lost, so. Yes. Um. yes, absolutely. You must do everything that I ask of you without question. How would you like your fuck off? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear me. I, I mean, how much do you really not want me to spoil the end? I, I honestly do not care. I, I wanted to read through. I wanted to push through to the end because I, I thought there might be something that would at least make me think, well, maybe it's not as bad as, as I thought. And maybe it's, it's going to do something that's going to redeem itself. But it, it gets to the point where um, he's, he's given her a couple of, of what are referred to as pleasure spankings. And, um, and he does tend to proceed. If, I don't know if you've picked up on this. He does tend to proceed sex with either this is for pleasure, mine and yours, or this is for pleasure, mine, not yours. It gets to the point where he, she says to him, because he's, he's talking about p- punishments and um, the circumstances in which he will spank her hard. And she, in a, in a moment of daring, says, right, I want to know what I can take. I want to know how much you've got to, to give out. Oh, dear. Spank me as hard as you can. And she asks for it. She does say do this to me, right? So that's that's the setup of she's given him permission, there's no coercion about this. The entire book is coercion. Sod off with that. The way he behaves towards her, the fact that he goes all silent and cold whenever she says something he doesn't like, um, the fact that every time she tries to ask him about anything serious, um, he just pokes two fingers in her and, and moves the subject on. That That is called coercion. That's what it is. Coercion is not, oh, go on. And if you say, yes, you're an idiot, that's, that's, no, that's not how it works. If that was how it worked, it wouldn't work because people, by and large, are not that stupid. But it, it, she says, go on, I will, I will give you authority to spank me as hard as you can. And he hits her with a belt and he lashes the shit out of her. She, he, he basically whoops her until she collapses on the floor. I think it's only something like six strokes, but he, he does it incredibly hard. She collapses on the floor. She is blubbering like a baby. She's got snot running down her face. She's uh, I, can't, I don't think she's bleeding, but she's bruised. She's in agony. Oh, God. Oh, God. Can I guess? Can I guess? Does he tell her he loves her? 
No, I don't think he does. Oh, I can't remember. But that that would be that. Oh, I think I probably would have put my fist through my Kindle if he had. <laughs> um, but it, so she, she I basically. That's the point at which she go. It snaps, and she goes, "I can't take this." You're telling me that this is how you you want me. You want me in a pile on the floor, crying my eyes out because you have made me hurt. I cannot do that. And she gets up and walks away. Score. I mean, not good that she's got the crap beat now, but I was thinking, we finished there. That's your lot. You've had your fun, darling. You go to your therapist. I'm going to move on and find somebody who is actually a decent human being. But the, the closing paragraph is um, she's she goes home. Um, I fall onto my bed, shoes and all, and howl. The pain is indescribable, physical, mental, metaphysical. It is everywhere, seeping into the marrow of my bones. Grief. This is grief, and I've brought it on myself. Deep down, a nasty, unbidden thought comes from my inner goddess, her lips contorted into a snarl. The physical pain from the bite of a belt is nothing, nothing compared to this devastation. And that's it. That's the end of the book. He has her. Well, I mean, this way, at least we know what happens in the beginning of the next book. It's all well, about her getting all about taking her back. back. Yep. Yeah. Great. But yeah, anyway, I'm going to shut up now because I think I've... I, it, you can I'm edit just, this uh... into something that isn't going to pull <laughs> tears out of our audience. All right, well, I think we all need a break. <laughs> um, so let's let's do that. Let's have a break. And, um... God. All right, when we come back, uh, we will talk about what we have been watching, which is hopefully things that made us happier than this. I'm, I'm impressed, Matt. You stuck around through the whole thing. You did. Are you okay? <laughs> is that a possibly, no? Possibly a bit broken. I don't know. This next part is from The Same Coin, a brilliant gaming podcast presented by, among others, Dit Simiu and Ben Ford. And somehow, on episode 11 in August 2012, they roped my old Cowboys co-host, Tony Atkins, into reading some of this drivel aloud. I agree, he missed his calling in life as a professional orator of erotic literature. I think we I think we're safe to move on. We've done enough tears have been shed. (laughs) Well, what I'd like you to do now is I sent you an an email earlier in the day, didn't I? (laughs) I'd like you to open up the email, okay? And uh, while I'm kind of like building it up, if you could do that for me, I'd be really appreciative because um, we've got some really uh, fantastic listeners. You know, they are some of the best out there. Like you said, our community is amazing. But we, we also, I think, we've got some slightly sadistic um, listeners who've got that streak in them that kind of, it's, I don't know, they just like to see us squirm, or at least our guests. So, Jonas Maximus, please stand up and take a bow for this one. Um, now, I posted a picture on uh, Twitter the other day that uh, my wife's actually reading the po- popular porn title, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Uh, and he actually suggested that our guest read out a few paragraphs from that book. A few paragraphs? Half a blinking book! It's only, it's only <laughs> two pages, okay? Uh, but you'll fly through it. And also, you've got such a lovely voice. Uh, you know, you really have. Um, like Bain says, you've got such a lovely voice. Um, so I asked my mother-in-law to pick out the best bits, as far as she could tell, because she's read it as well. Um, so, Tony, I'm sure you don't want to let our listeners down, Okay. <laughs> In your own, in, in your own time, this is going to be like X-rated Jack so, and Ori. So this is the book that all women are going crazy for, this and is, maybe some men. 
But this is the mummy really porn. interested to hear something. I know nothing about this book. So you can see where I've put the line on page 322. Is this your book that you've actually put Biro over? No, no, I scanned it first. I shouldn't really say that because it's probably illegal. But um, just those... Yeah, those... that's the thing they're going to arrest you for on this podcast. <laughs> 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 oh dear at least you know, you'll be waiting for me to shag me when i come out of prison so um yeah but if you can read where i started on page 322 up to page 324 that'd be wonderful you and I'm sure it's Gionis, disaster isn't it Jonas maximus I, I hope you enjoy this my and wife I, is standing in the background laughing because she <laughs> realizes what's going on brilliant, brilliant. go for it i'm gonna one of you guys might need to take halfway through because <laughs> you're going to be laughing so much right he stands very close as he fastens his cuffs I'm staring at his chest proximity is heavenly he smells of body wash and Christian and Christian and that drags me back into now I want to run my nose and tongue through his smattering of chest hair I could just lean forward he steps back and glazes at me and gazes at me his expression hooded so, <laughs> see, this isn't gonna help is it you laughing i'm sorry and i'm and i am helpless his hands tied but just looking at his lovely face reading his need and longing for me i can feel the dampness between my legs he <laughs> 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 walks slowly around me you look mighty fine trussed up like this Miss Steele, and your smart mouth, and your smart mouth quiet for now. I like that. Standing in front of me again, he hooks his fingers into my panties. <laughs> and at a most unhurried pace, pulls them down my legs, stripping, uh, stripping me agonizingly slow, uh, agonizingly slowly, so that he ends up kneeling in front of me, not taking his eyes of mine. He scrunches my panties in front... uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Scrunches my panties in his hand, holds them up to his nose, inhales deeply. (laughs) 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 Holy fuck, did he just do that? He grins wickedly at me and tucks them into his pocket of his jeans. Uncoiling from the floor, raising lazily like a jungle cat, he points the end of the riding crop at my navel, Lazily circling it, tantalising me. At the touch of the lever, I quiver and gasp. Gasp. <laughs> you reckon this is hard enough for you to listen to? You should try reading it. <laughs> he walks around me again, trailing the crop around the middle of my body. On his, <laughs> on his second circuit, he suddenly flicks the crop and hits me underneath my behind, against my socks. I cry out in surprise as all my nerve endings stand to attention. I pull against the restraints. The shock runs through me, and it's the sweetest, strangest, hedonistic feeling. Quiet, he whispers, and walks around me again, the crop slightly higher around the middle of my body. This time, he flicks it against the same place. I'm anticipating it. My body convulses at the sweet, stinging bite. As he walks around me, he flicks again, this time hitting my nipple. <laughs> Why that is a bit of proving. Um, hitting my nipple, and I throw my head back in, in as the nerve endings sing. He hits the other, a brief, swift chastisement. My nipples harden and elongate from the assault, and I moan loudly, pulling off my leather cuffs. Does that feel good? He breathes. Yes, 
<laughs> he hits me again across the buttocks. The crop stings this time. Yes, what? Yes, sir, I whimper. <laughs> he comes to a stop, but I can no longer see him. My eyes are closed, and as I try to assault the myriad of sensation coursing through my body, very slowly he rains small, biting licks of the crop down my belly, heading south. I know where this is leading. And I try to, and I try to psych myself up for it, but when it hits my clitoris, I cry out loud. <laughs> I groan. <laughs> My wife is now in the background. <laughs> Quiet, he orders, and hits me again on the behind. I did not expect this to be like this. I am lost, lost in a sea of sensation. And suddenly, he's dragging the crop against my sex. What the fuck is my sex? <laughs> this is basically just saying it's the whole area. Okay. He's dragging the crop against my sec through the through my pubic hair down to the entrance of my vagina. <laughs> See how wet you are for this, Anastasia. Open your eyes and your mouth. As I do, I'm told I'm told as I do as I'm told, I'm completely seduced. He pushes the tip of his crop into my mouth like it like my dream. Holy shit. So how do, how do you so how you taste suck suck hard baby he pulls the tip from my mouth and stands forward grabs me and kisses me hard his tongue invading my mouth wrapping his arms around me he pulls against he pulls me against him his chest crushes me and I inch and I itch to his touch inch to his touch uh, but I can't my hands, uh, I can't, my hands useless above me. Oh, Anastasia, your taste, your mighty, you taste mighty fine, he breathes. Shall I make you come? Please, I beg. The crop bites at my buttock. Ow. Please, what? <laughs> Please, sir, I whimper. He smiles at the tri, uh, ha, tr- smiles at me triumphantly. Uh, what's this? What's this? He holds the crop up so I can see it. Yes, sir. Are you sure? He, he looks sternly at me. Yes, please, sir. Close your eyes. I shut the room out, him out, the crop out. He starts small, biting... He starts small, biting licks of the crop against my belly. Once more, moving down, soft, small licks against my clitoris. Once, twice, three times, again and again and again, until finally that's it. I can no longer take no more, and I come, glorious... <laughs> His arms curl around me. His arms around me. Around my legs. Turning to jelly. I dissolve into his embrace. My head against his chest. I am mewing. I am whimpering. The aftershocks of my orgasm consume me. Oh, God. Who reads this shit, honestly? Oh, my God. That's it. Bestseller at the moment. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, God. That was amazing. Seriously, Tony. Drop that on me. No, I'm seriously, Tony. I'm actually reading on now. It actually gets even more graphic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that was amazing. There. Oh. Yeah, that was absolutely amazing. Thank you. Well, I've got to get sleep now. Oh, God almighty. Well, I just had a wank. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tony, for that. that was <laughs> absolutely incredible. For someone that's actually quite dyslexic, that wasn't bad. That, that was, was, oh god, that's amazing. <laughs> it's just so funny, I can't, on that, on, oh, the level of funniness. I just can't get Liz in the background yeah, just laughing. Laugh <laughs> well, she, she has no idea, she's wondering, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm she's sure. actually read this book, so she knows this anyway. Oh, so. dear. Seriously, they need to go and get a life these weeks. They're reading that sort of stuff. God. They should get Tony to do the audio track. That would yeah. be brilliant. <laughs> just because you're not doing a good enough job, Ben. I might just say, he's just read the book, so that sounds like about me. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, no, oh, that was... A couple of weeks after she read the book, though. It was, I remember that. It was a mighty fine time. Oh, wow. I think the uh, sales of the book are just going to shoot through the roof after you've just done that, but that was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Seriously, Tony. That <laughs> I felt myself getting into character there. You know, it's... Oh, wow. Maybe if I'd read it two or three times, I could have maybe you know, delivered a, a slightly uh, more triumphant piece, but, you know, I'm not too sure how you can do much more when <laughs> you're reading such trash. Yeah. No, well, it got me going, so that's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think after that we need a bit of a break. So join us in a minute for our final thoughts and shout outs. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So. Tony, you are a legend. Next up, we have sections from the Fifty Shades Darker Dorkcast special released in February 2013. So this one opens three days after that. Mm-hmm. The breakup doesn't last very long, does it? No, no, no. Yeah. So three days afterward, um, he drives her to something. Am I am I thinking of this correct? He he calls and and offers her a ride to some show or some interview. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember I think what it was. Not, not. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's Jose's um, photography show or ah, yes, something okay. like that. So, so yeah, um, by day five, they are full on back together. Yeah, um, and. You never hear the end of it. This is one of the problems. It was so terrible. My world had ended in those five days. And oh, dear God. Okay, listen. I understand that, you know, it's it's awful to have to go through that kind of thing. I, I really, really do. But oh. basically, one of my main issues with that whole situation was that after they get back together... Christian has completely renounced anything uh, of this relationship that he formerly had claimed that he wanted. He no longer wants her as his submissive. He just wants to be in a relationship with her. So the lesson that we're seeing here is just leave him alone for a few days. He'll change around completely. And I think that's a little dangerous an assumption to make. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And also, um, the, it, it doesn't address the essential negative about their relationship because this is, this is the other thing that has come up time and time again when I've seen people, uh, objecting to those of us who reference this relationship as being an abusive one. Ah, uh, but, you know, BDSM is a valid lifestyle and blah, 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 and, you know, it's consenting adults and all the rest. Right, right, okay. Let's just back up a little bit. We're not talking about the BDSM. 
That's fine. No. If that's what floats your boat, you go for it. Because what he doesn't renounce is the constant drip feed of don't go out without me. I'm terrified that you'll get hurt. I must have my security guard follow you at all times. He wakes up screaming when she gets out of bed to get water. Exactly. And, and the, you know, the, the food monitoring and all of the, the whole control freakery. He doesn't give up on that because she left for a few days. Oh no, that gets worse. But that's, that is apparently part of a quote unquote normal relationship. You know, that's, that's okay. We're, we're willing to deal with that. Mm, The part that she has problems with is the part where he wants to, to physically beat her, which You know, if you have a problem with that, then you are completely justified. You know, if that's not something that you want to do, then you are every bit as justified in in having that opinion as if you are somebody who wants to do that or have that done to you. Indeed. But if as you are too it's consent, you know, I mean, if that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. But if you are adults in a relationship where one party wants to inflict physical harm as part of of what gets their rocks off and the other party is not particularly interested in that do you know what you do you sit down and you talk about it you don't just bite your lip and cross your fingers <laughs> until he gives up the idea that's not how it works nope. I, ooh, yeah, yeah. Yes, and, and that is that is exactly what she does and and the, the thing that really bothers me I and mean, there's a lot of things that really bother me so if i overuse the phrase the thing that really bothers me in this episode i apologize <laughs> for it because i'm probably going to say that a lot the list of things that really bother me yeah about this exactly <laughs> but i actually feel like it's unfair to him for this whole thing to have gone this way because if that's something that he enjoys and they do explore to some extent the reasons why he is the way that he is it's not the main focus obviously which you know necessarily doesn't have to be but they start to kind of talk about why he is the way that he is and you know if that's something that he wanted to deal with which it seems that he kind of does you know then great good for him but for him to simply give up his entire lifestyle and not expect her to make any changes to the contrary that messes me up a little bit there's no compromise he just completely caves to whatever she wants one of the things that that actually did make me quite angry about this one is that it it annoyed me a little bit in the first one that they alluded to this very abusive childhood that um that christian had had and never really went into you know what what psychological impact it had on him except to say that there is obviously a link between that and the fact that he likes to you know beat brown-haired girls which is addressed in this book but they actually start they i don't know why i keep saying they (laughs) maybe because she reads like a corporate entity um e.l james in this book um actually starts to look at the um the abusive childhood that that christian had um it pisses me off to high hell that his mother is only ever referred to as the crack whore. Yep. Right? Never even acknowledged as, you know, the, the woman who gave birth to him. Managed to keep him alive until he was three, at least. I mean, admittedly, I'm not saying she's up for any Mother of the Year awards. But about the only cohesive memory he has of her is of her baking a birthday cake for him. And yet... 
everything he seems to think about her is vicious bitch punish 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 the abuse that he talks about is always at the hands of her pimp never from her he gets beaten with a belt there's a there's a suggestion at one point that he has cigarettes put out on him but that was the guy this was not his mother and i i'm not entirely certain how resentment that she couldn't protect him would blossom into such a level of fury that he would have to have a chain of, I hesitate to use the term girlfriends because they're, well, they're not, you know, they're, they're submissives. Or, yes. or, you know, what, is, is that, does he actually refer to them as his submissives? He doesn't call them I anything else so, to yes. say, yeah. So he has a, he has a chain of these, these girls who look like his mother so that he can beat the living shit out of them. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, now I had, and I, I'm not, I'm not real sure. I'm not sure if this is just something that I missed the, uh, subtlety is not the word that I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. If I missed, if I missed something or not. Mm. But I, it's played up for quite a while that she, um, She's leading up to the fact that um, Christian has this deep, dark secret that um, if if she if she meaning uh, Anna, if Anna ever found out about it, she would immediately be out the door and um, he could never tell her. And this is what he talks about with his psychiatrist. And, you know, he, he says it quite a few times, you know, well, you, you would just leave. I can't tell you you would leave. You would leave. And do, by the way, that psychiatrist is about the worst psychiatrist in the world. Well, he certainly just kind of ignores the whole confidentiality thing. Um, yeah, and it, I, I, I mean, I get the impression that Christians told him it's okay, but even so, I don't yeah. think psychiatrists tend to talk about their patients behind their backs no. to the patient's partner. Certainly not in a party setting. No. <laughs> Just really, like it's one thing if it's in a session and mm. they're both there. I mean, even then, I it, it, I would question it, but at least that's a professional thing. It mm-hmm. it it seems to go way beyond that. But but when she finally finds out that the secret that he has been keeping is that he is a sadist, and that is the exact wording that he uses, mm. I don't understand why that's so huge. I don't understand why. I like to hurt people because it brings me sexual satisfaction is different than I like to hurt people because I like to hurt people. If in both cases, the other party is willing. Mm, Indeed. And, and it seems that they are, he does not want to hurt unwilling people, at least not that he's admitted to. And I I don't really think that's where this is going, but, um, but I don't understand why that was such a big thing. And I, I don't know if, like I said, if that's something that I'm missing or but that that really I got to that part and I read that sentence and I read it again and I went, I don't get it. Like, is that, you've is that you've been really, going out with him for how long and he's yeah. done what to you and you hadn't worked this out yet? I mean, I just I, I under I would understand being upset by that if that were any different from anything that you already knew. But adding this if, particular for example, he told you over the dessert course on your first date. Which I guess he kind of did, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then he asked her to sign the contract. <laughs> which, which they tear up in this book. Well, hot mm-hmm. shit. Incidentally, they get rid of a whole lot of the um, 
I hesitate to call them the interesting bits, but the unusual bits. Um, yeah, the sex gets more bland as you go along. It, it really kind of does. Like you would think they'd be stepping it up, but like now that they're not doing any of the the you know S and M stuff, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just. It's just them running to the bedroom every ten pages. Like, all right, I get it. He really distracts her with sex. Every time they start to have an interesting conversation, it's, okay, let's go bone. Sure. And, and, oh, the merry sooness of it all. That, that whole thing. That's that's horrendous. That has not gotten any better. It hasn't. And, and the, 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 the bit with the boss was the bit that really made me go, you know what? <laughs> I accept that these books are written as a as a, a fantasy. I get that. What I wish is that she'd been able to write porn fantasy. If you then want to write a story about two people having a relationship and trying to overcome childhood trauma and abuse, that's a whole nother book. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable going from a page about a child having cigarettes stubbed out on him to a page where same person is magically making someone's panties disintegrate, which would you let him ever touch any of your clothes? Jesus, God, no. Because just every time he touches it, apparently they combust. Instantly. It reminds me of that bit in there's a, an episode of uh, Extras where Ricky Gervais is talking to Patrick Stewart and he's telling him about this script idea that he's got where he basically comes across uh, all of these women and he says and, and her clothes fall off instantly. And that was all I kept thinking of that all he has to do is wink at her and her underwear just magically disappears. And oh, anybody who's ever, and I might possibly <laughs> hesitate before saying this, but anybody who's ever been in a situation where you try to, in a moment of passion, tear somebody else's clothes <laughs> off. <laughs> Particularly underwear, if there's if there's lace involved, it hurts. Step is hurting to tip, and it does hurt. And it's like, you know, yanking and God, no, up the crack. That, <laughs> that direction. No. And oh, it just it doesn't work that way but all of this is the best you can hope Hmm. for is a bunch of buttons you have to sew back on indeed indeed, or possibly a broken zip and having to climb out of your favorite fleece or something like that anyway (laughs) you could lose some very expensive underwear that way well well you know at least he has enough money to replace it when there is actually combust or disintegrate or whatever they're doing the corset thing that had a price tag of about two and a half. Right, okay. Jesus. Who buys their girlfriend clothes and leaves the fucking price tags on? I mean, I Somebody understand her to know exactly how much they back. cost. But now he's just showing off. Yeah. Yeah. And who would wear £2,000 worth of underwear? I have never spent that much money on a car. And, uh, yeah, so, so her understanding of various medical factors which seem to have some significant bearing on the the course of the story because when they finally do get to go pork without rubber um of course it's you know magical and mystical and well of course they're in the shower i think and it's oh something like that i remember that he goes oh that's right it's this day yeah it's midnight (laughs) woohoo Yeah, you know what, she doesn't turn into a pumpkin, or I don't, I don't. (laughs) Oh, 
Oh, that would be interesting. I'm confused. He sticks his cock in her, and then she turns into a pumpkin. And then his brother walks in and fights him with his dick in a pumpkin, and he goes, it's not what you think. <laughs> oh, dear me. Brilliant. Um, oy, oy, oy. Uh, I can't even remember what I was going to say, though. It's hard to <laughs> tell. It is. My mind drifts with these things. Yeah, so so uh, in aside from not understanding sort of physical health and how that whole thing works, um, E.L. James's comprehension of uh, mental illness in this one gets a remarkable kicking. That, that well. it does. It does. Yeah. The ex-sub, Leela. Yes. I don't. I don't even know where to start with this one. Um, so even I even though we know nothing really about what she was like beforehand. No. Other than I think at one point he says that she was always um, smiling and mischievous, which suggests that the way she is now, which is very much not that, is possibly something to do with you and your treatment of her. Potentially. Maybe. Potentially, but she was definitely an ex, uh, an ex submissive of his, mm-hmm. who, through means that we are unaware of, is now completely well. They they go into her backstory a little bit, isn't she? She married somebody and then left him for somebody else who died, and now yeah. she went crazy and is after Christian. Yeah. Oh, well, more specifically, she is after Anna for being with Christian. Yes. Um, and, uh, her, her character is handled less than sympathetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's basically portrayed as deranged. Like, like proper fatal attraction deranged. Indeed. Like, Christian should count himself lucky he doesn't actually have a rabbit. She shows up at the foot of the bed and, I guess, just kind of watches Anna sleep? I don't, I don't know. Mm. And uh, she moves photographs around, and um, and then at one point she turns up with a gun, um, which you know Anna says I, I think she was going to harm herself. But how how do you know that when somebody stood there with a gun? Yeah, she's entirely too calm about this. I mean, I would like to think that I wouldn't run around screaming if somebody showed up with a gun, but I probably would. Mm. I mean, I, th- I think it's it's all a bit weird because Christian's concern is all for Anna, and Anna's concern is all because she doesn't want, get, want Christian to get shot. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how you know they're in love. Well, because she doesn't want to give, want him to get shot. No, they both don't want each other to get shot. Isn't it oh, sweet? Yeah, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How in the world would I ever live without you? I don't know. You seem to be managing fine a month ago. Just throwing it out there. You know, it's cool. Um, yeah. So, and and that actually leads on to you know after an interesting little exchange um, between uh, Leela and Anna, which, uh, as I hope to demonstrate, um, does does portray her in a nicely balanced and even-handed manner. Not. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm descending into childishness. <laughs> you know, it's not your fault this book started it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, and my dad's bigger than its dad, and all the rest of it. <laughs> anyway, um, so this this leads on to quite a, an interesting and possibly character revealing incident where Christian steps in and basically sends Anna away. Because and and frankly, this was one of the few points in which I actually thought, yeah, that that makes sense that he would walk into this scenario and go, right, Anna, this is now nothing to do with you. You leave. Mm-hmm. I need to deal with this. You don't go. And Anna's very reluctant to go because, and this kind of this kind of got me a little bit. She sees him there with this girl who's unhinged. She she has been portrayed as being completely and utterly unhinged. Yes. And the thing she thinks she sees pass between them, she asks herself if what she's seeing there is love. Now, that was one of the few bits in this book that actually struck me as having a cord of honesty in it. Anna hasn't got a fucking clue what love actually looks like. This is her first experience of it. And it has come in the form of a man who spends $24,000 on a car for her. And then another $24,000 on another car for her when that one gets trashed. Puts 50 grand in her bank account just because he can. Got said bank account number from his private investigator who's been following her around and finding out where she works and what office she works in. And then watches her to make sure she doesn't leave said office because he's concerned about her safety. Now, do any of those things sound like they come under the umbrella term of love? I'm going to go more with stalker than love, but... um... Yeah, so this is her only example of it. She acknowledges herself that she's never really felt this strongly about anybody else before, and yet her primary emotions towards him seem to be geared towards... I I can't even say leaping into bed because it's leaping into elevator, it's leaping onto billiard table, it's leaping onto piano. Can you have sex on a piano without actually breaking it? You know, I wouldn't think so. I mean, they seem to manage it okay, but I... I reckon damage would be caused. Yeah, I mean, pianos are not that... You'd get a rotten bruise on your back with a hinge. Yes, definitely that. Yeah, but anyway, they seem to sidestep that quite nicely. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so th- all of this, all of this sex that they have every two odd pages, um, it, where in that is there time and space for her to figure out how she actually feels about him? And there are a couple of points where she does actually ask him. She says, I need some time. I need some space. Will you let me try and work out what's actually going on here? You can guarantee before the end of the paragraph, he's going to be inside her cunt again. Yep. And, it just, why is that, why is she so willing to accept that that is a decent definition of love, sufficient for her to make a judgment about whether or not he loves someone else? You don't know what it looks like, kiddo. You don't know what it feels like. You need to chill the fuck out and let him get on with dealing with this this woman who is broken to pieces in front of them. And his his response to um, uh, to Leela is actually quite nurturing. And, and as you say, this is where the, the compassionate side of him that she apparently does see does come through. And, he you know, he looks after her and it, there's all this stuff about, you know, she's filthy and her clothes are all a mess. So he gives her a bath and he puts some clothes on her and blah, 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 blah. And she freaks out about that. Oh, she was I naked. Can't. 
Because clearly, oh. this is a situation where he's going to be super turned on. I just... Yeah. What? But that's that's the thing. She's She seems to think that just that, that act... Because Leela goes into submissive um, instinct. Yeah. Mode, some like, whatever, I don't possibly call or something. I don't know. She just drops to her knees and yeah. looks up at him and, you know... Uh, and and apparently, you know, the, the the major concern that Anna has at this point is that that's going to make him realise that that is actually what he wants. That that's you know that that kind of relationship is what he's looking for. But I mean, it's it's pretty apparent that he's not really looking for a a relationship of equality. Well, he doesn't have one, so that's probably for the best. You know, so so how does she? How does she come to the conclusion? How does Anna come to the conclusion that that sexual submission is going to be more important to Christian than the emotional submission and the financial submission and the dietary submission and all the other varieties of submission that she's thrown at his feet already? And I mean, it's not exactly like she's... I suppose in comparison to what what maybe she perceives that he wants it's not but it pretty much seems like she just does whatever she whatever he wants sexually anyway mm. I, I mean she she goes right along with whatever it's just that his demands have now changed based on what he perceives that she wants yeah she if still that's even does, what he's she, doing yeah she she still does tend to um she says no or stop to him maybe once or twice and those times he gives her maybe a sentence or two and then starts pushing it again. And she goes, oh, OK, then you got me all turned on and I'm, I, I can't possibly say no. But anytime she tries to push for something that she wants, she's summarily denied. Like it, he, He's definitely the one in control of this whole thing anyway. So I don't know. Speaking of denial... Page 436. <laughs> Go on. The elevator scene. Oh, Lord. The Possibly the third elevator scene. I don't know. There's quite a lot of elevator yeah, scenes. Yeah, they like, they like elevators. So this is the one where there's a bunch of other people in the elevator. This is the one where there's other people okay. in the elevator, yes. Go, yeah. go ahead. So, okay, okay. His finger slides in and out of me again and again. My breathing. Jesus, embarrassing. I want to tell him to stop and continue. And stop. I sag against him, and he tightens his arm around me, his erection against my hip. We halt again at the 44th floor. Oh, how long is this torture going to continue? In, out, in, out. Shake it all about? No. (laughs) Subtly, I grind myself against his persistent finger. After all this time of not touching me, he chooses now, here. And it makes me feel so wanton. Hush, he breathes, seemingly unaffected as yet two more people come aboard. The elevator is getting crowded. Christian moves us both further back so that we're now pressed into the corner, holding me in place and torturing me further. He nuzzles my hair. I'm sure we look like a young couple in love, canoodling in the corner. Can <laughs> is that what they're calling And see what we're doing. And he eases a second finger inside me. I'm trying to figure uh, out exactly how 
this is going to happen without her dress being, like, around her waist. He's would, unless he's got, like, really long arms with an elbow right down the bottom. So, I don't know. He's insectoid. Maybe it's, oh, no, no. I'll tell you what it is. It's the magic disintegrating hands. What he's done oh. is he's disintegrated up front of her dress and going through that. That's, that's how that's... There's just a giant hole in the dress. Absolutely. Um, anyway, the, the the bit that really sort of made me think of the whole control thing. Oh, Christian, what you do to me? I lean my head against his chest, closing my eyes and surrendering to his unrelenting fingers. Don't come, he whispers. I want that later. <sighs> you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> you do not own that, sunshine. That's not up to you. She will come when she wants to come. Except, of course, she doesn't. Oh, and yes, you say, oh, but she won't. Indeed. And they've got this whole thing about, and it's repeated several times throughout the book, he knows her body better than she knows it herself. She's had it for 21 years. He's yes, had it. she's for... never masturbated, if you'll remember the first book. I'm not buying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. I am so unhappy with the nature of this girl as a person. She's I, not even I, really a person. She's I just really don't like her. I don't like her at all. I just, cut out. She, I, I really just have issues with her continuing to bring up this all of the shit that she thinks should be changed or that she doesn't like or any of that. It, it just, oh, she's so passive aggressively. I don't even know what to call it. It just. You know what? I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> the, the, the anger is making me uh, stupid. Fury, tongue-tied fury. Yeah. Oh dear me. Uh, do you know? I half thought the bit where the where the helicopter goes missing at the end. I half thought that the whole reason that he'd done it on purpose, basically. Yeah. Because this is this is a point where he's point, trying yes. to manipulate a yes out of her to the marriage mm-hmm. question. And um, the whole thing about her leaving him for those, you know, 48 hours or whatever it was at the beginning of the, the, the book um, completely made him realize that all he really wanted was her. Um, and, and so you know, he's gone her, for 12 hours. Yeah. So he, he disappears for 12 hours. And it actually occurred to me that he might have pulled that to make her. I, say I yes. actually I actually had that same thought. Yes. Mm, yeah. It does not seem out of place. It doesn't, no. But as it turns out, what actually happened was both engines in his helicopter exploded. A mystery? Yes. There's lots of sort of sly-winking nudgery going on to suggest that there's a conspiracy at work here somewhere. Could something bad potentially? And I think, is it his father who's the only one who thinks both engines went out? Why? That is odd. Indeed. But it's the, it's the, there's, there's some writing in there that's so bad. How did you put the fire out? An extinguisher. We're required by law to carry one. <laughs> Fuck me. Did that Were you really expecting to say, to I peed on it? it? I just. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I peed on it with my massive, massive penis. <laughs> oh, yeah. The sailing made me laugh as well. The boat. Oh yeah, I enjoy I enjoy pretty much anything where there's some third person there somewhere. Like they're trapped on this boat with this other dude. What's he just like up on the deck while they're downstairs boning? I I don't. Yeah, I, I think that's. I, I, yes, down, downstairs is not the right term. What would below decks? Am I? Oh, somebody Giles will yell at me for that one. But 
Yeah, so I just I just kind of picture this one guy just kind of sitting up on the deck, twiddling his thumbs, and you know, meanwhile there's a bed, um, and you know, constant constant boating. Yes. Constant. Yes, indeed. But apparently that's this is what multimillionaires who are only twenty seven do. I guess. They have sex a lot. <laughs> on boats. On boats, and I'm surprised they never tried to do it in the helicopter. I do enjoy when he comes back and he has everybody that loves him all around him. And she says, you see, you are loved after all. Oh, that was the thing. The media reports. The fact that it was all over the news that Christian Grey had been missing for eight hours. The police aren't even interested until it's been 24 hours. Yep. I don't think somehow that CNN would go batshit over the fact that some... You know, hard partying millionaire disappeared for a few hours. I think they would let that go. So many, the inner goddess keeps popping up oh, again. Oh Christ, yes, I forgot all about that. Every time she thinks she's gonna get fucked and the subconscious keeps rearing its head and wagging its finger at her like a unemployed librarian every time she thinks she's getting above her station and do you know if, if your psyche really behaved like that towards you it, it's that's just horrible she literally has demon and angel on her shoulder doesn't yep. she yep she certainly uh, does and then that the there was uh, the other bit where um she wants to go into the playroom and get something for christian's birthday and she goes and gets the key off um, the housekeeper, mm-hmm. Mrs. Jones. And I and I just thought, it's fucking Bluebeard. She's going to go in there and he's going to have all the ex-subs stacked up in a cupboard with their heads cut off. But sadly, it was not to be. Uh, I mean, her background is in TV promotion or something, isn't it? Is it? I, I have no idea. I don't know much about her. I think I'm, I'm sure I read somewhere that she's... Um, Oh, here we go. E.L. James, is, this is her bio at the beginning of the book. E.L. James is a former TV executive, wife and mother of two, based in West London. Since early childhood, she dreamed of writing stories that readers would fall in love with, but put those dreams on hold to focus on her family and career. She finally plucked up the courage to put pen to paper with her first novel, Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, no, actually, she finally plucked up courage to type a rip-off fanfic of Twilight. Let's not forget that. And she is also the author of Fifty Shades Freed. Um, Which you realize we're going to have to read now. Yes. <laughs> we're not going to get out of this one. That. I do realize that. But then, you know, <laughs> I mean, what's the, just, have we got the blurb for Fifty Shades Freed in here? Um, uh, romantic, liberating, and totally addictive, the Fifty Shades trilogy will obsess you, possess you, and stay with you forever. Is a happy ending possible for Grey and Anna? the final novel in the addictive Fifty Shades trilogy. When Anna Steele first encountered the driven, damaged entrepreneur Christian Grey, it sparked a sensual affair that changed both their lives irrevocably. Anna always knew that loving her Fifty Shades would not be easy, and being together poses challenges neither of them had anticipated. Crashing helicopters and you know, ex-submissives who try to shoot you. I don't think anybody would really think of those. Uh, Anna must learn to share Grey's opulent lifestyle without sacrificing her own integrity or independence. Are you fucking kidding me? So the central (laughs) challenge theme of the third book is she has to learn to accept being the richest woman alive. Poor, poor (sighs) me. 
and Grey must overcome his compulsion to control and lay to rest the horrors that still haunt him. Yeah, I'm sure, now, I'm sure that finally, lay to rest control thing is really going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, finally, together, they have love, passion, intimacy, wealth, and a world of infinite possibilities. Yeah, that mostly comes with the wealth, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but just when it seems that they really do have it all, tragedy and fate combine to make Anna's worst nightmares come true. <gasps> I bet it has something to do with the boss. Ba, ba, ba. I don't think her worst nightmares are really going to be all that bad. Yeah, I'm going to guess now. Maybe maybe Christian will get shot. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Not, not like fatally or anything. No, just like no. in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe in the dick. <laughs> no, that would be her worst Are you sure you don't want tea or coffee? Not thirsty. What does it have that we doesn't? What do you mean, Leela? Master, Mr. Grey. Let's call him by his given name. I'm not his submissive, Leela. Uh... Master understands that I am unable, inadequate to fill that role. Inadequate? But Master is happy. We have seen him. He laughs and smiles. His reactions are rare, very rare for him. It looks like us. Master likes obedient ones. Who look like us. The others, all the same, all the same, and yet it sleeps in his bed. We saw it. You saw me in his bed? We never slept in Master's bed. Why does Master like us like this? It makes us think something, something. Master is Dark. Master is a dark man, but Roy loves him. And to conclude this journey into the heart of greyness, Sharon has finally finished the last book and can now reveal whether the trilogy gets better or, against all odds, worse. So I'm just going to encourage you to go at it on this one because you've been doing brilliantly so far. Do you want to start with the positive or the negative elements of Fifty Shades Freed? Okay. Well, this one, spoiler alert, this one isn't going to be quite such a all-out rant. Less vitriol. Less vitriol this time. Um, I think you've spouted enough vitriol I, in the I past hour I would say so. so. And predominantly, uh, the reason that I don't have much more of the same to, to vent is that it, it's mostly more of the same. Mm. Um, and, and for that reason, I would say that uh, it's... I'll start with the, the well, negative So every time she starts to it. cotton on to what a rotten situation this is, he jabs two fingers in her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens every single bloody time. And it's it's become um, more of a thing in this one in that she recognises that it's happening. And there's a couple of times when she actively tries to stop it happening. And it happens anyway, which if 
you have a scenario where she doesn't really want to have sex and he has sex with her. There's a word for that. Yeah, um, an uncomfortable word. Indeed, and uh, it, it does sort of, uh, she does have this habit of, of making out like the fact that Anna dissolves into orgasmic trembles every time Christian, you know, bats an eyelash at her. Surely by now it must be wearing off. You would think, but apparently not. Um, so, okay, plot-wise... Um, and interestingly enough, this is actually the, the one of the three that probably has the most plot in it in terms of things that happen other than just shed loads of sex. That happens too, but there are other things going on in this one. Is it the thickest in it's, girth? I, I don't know, actually. I didn't measure them. In fact, the first one I read on Kindle, so I honestly couldn't tell you. I'd have to go and count pages. I will go and count pages for you okay. while you carry on. Count pages for me, sweetheart. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, so in terms of actual narrative, more happens in, in this particular one. Um, in terms of the uh, narrative of the relationship, obviously the, the first book they meet and um, they sign the non-disclosure agreement and then the, the contract, which is, of course, as we all know, how traditional relationships begin. Um, and, um, and then this second- series has sold over 90 million copies worldwide. I'm not <sighs> sure. If, I haven't even sold 90 copies of mine yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me the figures, it'll just depress me. Um, so, um, yeah, so the second book, um, it begins with Anna has left Christian, um, because he goes apeshit and beats the crap out of her. And, um, the second one is then getting back together and sort of starting to negotiate their relationship as what she considers to be a proper relationship. Didn't, didn't they get married? They, they get, right, they get married at the very beginning of three. Oh, that's but the, it's, it's yeah. a little bit, she plays with the timeline a little bit. So it actually opens, I think the, the end of two, he's proposed to her or she's <sighs> considering or something happens about like two thirds of the way through he proposes and she's considering whether or not she's going to say yes. This opens with the honeymoon, but then jumps back to the wedding and, and, um, so it plays it out through like that. Um, the, um, the first thing that happens that really made me go, uh, this is just going to be more of the same, isn't it? Um, they're, they're in Monte Carlo, I think, um, somewhere very French and expensive anyway. Um, and there's sunbathing on the beach and, um, Christian is, is about to go for a swim and Anna makes a joke about the fact that, um, it is a topless beach basically. And most of the women on that beach are, you know, as, as nature intended indeed. Um, and she kind of jokingly says, how would you feel if, if I went topless and, and kind of, you know, just fitted in with everybody else around here who keeps giving me slightly weird looks because I'm, I'm wearing a full bikini. Um, and he basically goes very shut down and no, you don't do that. You're my wife. There could be paparazzi around. I, I don't want anybody looking at these jubblies apart from me. Um, and, uh, so basically it's like, you know, his decision as to whether or not she decides to go topless on a beach. Um, you can probably guess how I feel about that. Um, so he goes off for a swim and she kind of, right. Given the conversation that they've just had, 
it could be argued that this is slightly unwise of her and everything because everything is from Anna's perspective it it does largely tend to be presented as sort of a a slightly naive way of looking at things i think subconsciously throughout this whole book she wants to needle the shit out of him and i don't blame her frankly um, i just wish it was made more blatant um but she sort of thinks oh you know it'd be it'd be a good joke if i if i take my top off but i'll stay on my front so nobody actually sees anything um but it'll just kind of um it'll be funny so she does, but she falls asleep, and while she's asleep, she turns over on her back, and then she wakes up to find Christian standing over her, completely and utterly furious, and literally drags her off the beach, steaming, shouting at her about, you know, God, somebody could have seen you, how dare you humiliate me like this, etc., etc. Um, they then proceed to in in the course of trying to resolve this argument um in the way that they resolve all of their arguments they do end up having sex and they end up having quite rough sex and um the handcuffs are involved and and it all gets very aggressive and and so he rapes some respect into her no not quite it it is although it hurts it is painted in such a way that that she agrees and that she does enjoy it at the time but then the next morning she realizes that the handcuffs have left marks and quite nasty ones actually on her wrists and her ankles he's put hickeys all over her neck um she's got uh bruises um somewhere. there's a badger in the room <laughs> <laughs> He, he has basically, whether consciously or subconsciously, he has now made it impossible for her to go out anything less than fully clothed. And on some level, she knows that he's done that sort of deliberately. And that's really not cool. That is incredibly not cool. That That is just another one of the here's on the checklist of all the hallmarks of an incredibly abusive relationship and Christian Grey is doing all of them over and over and over again. Um, yeah, so there was that. Um, and that was kind of like, we're opening with this scenario that basically shows that Christian does not believe that Anna has autonomy over her own body, that basically it belongs to him. It's up to him what she does with it. Um, and uh, and that's sort of, you know, end of story. That theme does kind of pr- um, con- continue throughout the story because there's uh, several incidents where she chooses certain outfits and he criticises it because the the on her blouse is cut too short or the skirt is cut too high and and you know that's something that only he should be allowed to see and all this kind of thing so the, the big theme of of ownership now that they're married now that they're married it, because it, this it, has been going it on seems since like it's, it's made no difference since the first few days of them knowing each other indeed absolutely it's it, it, it's other. sort of <sighs> The idea, at least in Anna's mind, is that there has been progress because when they first got together, she was his supposed to be his submissive and they were on contract and it wasn't a proper relationship. And now it is a proper relationship and they're married and it's it's not the same as the relationships that he had with these other girls. But uh, bullshit. As I said, when we were talking about Fifty Shades Darker, it's just a different kind of contract. The circumstances are exactly the same. There's this big whole discussion about how they had this huge negotiation that he wanted her to say, uh, her to promise to love, honour and obey in her wedding vows, and she flatly refused to say that she would obey him. 
And yet, every time she doesn't obey him, he flips out. And she has to keep reminding him over and over again, Christian, I did not promise to obey you. I really like the fact that she does keep reminding him, but it doesn't really seem to achieve anything. Doesn't really seem to change um, the, the way he uh, behaves in their relationship or anything like that. Um, the next major thing about it that that I didn't like that was different from the the earlier books is, like I said, there's more plot in inverted commas um, in this one. Basically, James follows on from uh, a situation which is seeded in the earlier books where basically Anna has um, a a very sleazy boss. Remind me, uh, who's Anna? Oh, Anastasia. Yes. Uh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> She's a very boring person, but I'll come to I'd, that. I'd completely forgotten that she, uh, she could be referred to as Anna. Indeed. Um, so she, the publishing company that she works for, um, her boss is, uh, is very sleazy and hits on her and she turns him down flat. And uh, then because Christian buys the company and fires him, um, she ends up at 22 years old being the executive in charge of publishing for this, this company. This isn't like, like a Mary Sue, is it? You have listened to the first two parts of this, yes, right? Repeatedly. Yes, repeatedly. Yes. So basically, Christian gives her the company. Mary Sue confirmed. Like <laughs> Absolutely. But then it becomes this, this big whole battleground again because she's like, you know, I, you've given me this company to run and yet you keep trying to stop me from going into work. You, you know, you want me to stay home and, and do the little wifey things and I, I would like to go out to work. And that does become a little bit of a, a fighting point because she, he wants her to, you know, take the week off and come skiing with him or whatever. And she's like, I have work. I have things to do. Um, so even though he's he's bought this position for her and she's determined to prove that she is worthy of the position on her own merits, again, which is something that I, I liked about this. She's building on the idea that she is an independent entity and she does have something of worth to give that isn't just the ability to suck Christian Grey's dick. Um, and, um, yeah, so... Sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, so, yeah, dick. Sleazy, <laughs> sleazy boss um, got fired, um, has massive grudge against Anna and um, Christian for, uh, you know, this one assumes this reason. Um, and it, it builds into this. He, they keep thinking he's following them. And um, there are some really irritating scenes where. They're in, uh, Christian is letting Anna drive his incredibly fast sports car and they realise that they're being followed by somebody in an SUV. He thinks it's Jack, her ex-boss. Oh my God. And um, so he's like, right, floor it, baby, let's get home. I'm, I'm almost literally quoting there. Um, and he basically just keeps, they are in It's really hard not right now not to think of him as being played by Will Arnett. Oh my floor God. it, baby, let's get home. Oh! be so awesome oh and uh, i'm the boss that's right she's she's a little bit too old but the the woman who plays his wife amy polar yes amy polar she of parks and recreation yes Mm. she she is at the age is wrong because anna is supposed to be very young oh yeah because that's the that's the reason not to have that pairing wrong thing about this but then christian's only supposed to be 27 but anyway uh so he's he's encouraging her to to you know blitz the speed limit and and get away from them 
he was criticizing her ability to drive constantly through the first two books, and now he suddenly decided that she. You have what to be a. Car are they driving? Very, like a Lamborghini or something? It, it's a. It's a really fast car. I, I can't remember what it is. Sure, but, she would not hesitate to name drop the brand. She would have. I just and can't. How remember. much it cost? I have no interest, so it, it hasn't stuck in my mind. Well, but he's of casting choices, lest we forget Matt Berry. Ooh, yes. Come on, Jen, look at my sexy pants. <laughs> All right. We went jogging, I knackered that squiddle, and the pants thing happened. Feels longer. Feels like we've built up a uh, connection. Yes, yes, a business connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than that, though. No, no, I don't think so. Ooh, I feel like, mmm. <laughs> know what I mean? I do, and I disagree. Anyway, uh, these came back today. Come on, Jen! Ever feel like just having some fun? <laughs> Mr. Hannum, I am a professional. I take my job seriously. And if I wasn't able to do it properly, I'd be letting myself down, and I'd be letting you down, so please, either let me do my job, or let me go. Anyway, these came back today, and they said they've done their very best, but some of the stains just won't come out. <laughs> Good God. Mr. Renham? You looked exactly like Melissa there. Melissa? My wife. She died. Oh, poor you. That's terrible. There's not a day goes past that I don't think of her. <laughs> I'll never forget our final moments. you do me a favour? What? I want to feel like Melissa is alive just one last time. Okay. Here's a selection of her lingerie. Oh, oh, please, please dress as my sexy dead wife. Oh, this isn't working out. I thought, given time, you'd get past the sex thing, but you obviously can't. So he's encouraging her to, to basically drive as fast as she can through all this traffic. She could potentially kill them. She could potentially kill someone else. Um, he's encouraging her to, to flash and honk at the traffic in front to of them. Flash? To flash? Flash the lights, not her boobs. Although oh. that would probably have a similar effect. That would be counter um, to what he's been telling her she's not allowed to do. Exactly. And she's like, look, I'm going to get pulled over. I'm going to get a ticket. And he's like, no, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. It's 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 me. And she's like, but don't you ever get pulled over? Yeah, but it's just a matter of charm. Basically, what he's saying at this point is, the law doesn't apply to people like me, baby, and now you, baby, because you're my wife and you have my money and you can buy off police officers the same way I can. Fuck you. That's the kind of person who gets people killed on motorways <sighs> anyway do you know what i hate the most about this book series what do you hate the most because i have to admit for me there's so many things I... about this i hate it's hard to separate no, no no right this this one's very key actually it's the phrase shades of gray because she's fucked that mm-hmm. he has three well, no, uh, it, it doesn't matter because I can't now use the term shades of grey characters around people who uh, are, don't really know me uh, for, before they go, Whoa, 50 shades of grey. No, not 50 shades of grey. I am not allowing her to take 
that phrase. Oh. That phrase is one applied to work other than her own. It's like calling the book texture. It has none. It is the antithesis of its own name. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that really upsets me because um, every time I talk about um, my book, for example... It's not that she, that, that her incredible book sales have affected it, but it's part and parcel of the whole taking away. Um, if, if I refer to the Shades of Grey characters, which is a phrase that's been in use for a long, long, long time and really needs to be in use more because it allows people to focus on characters not being straightforward black and white ciphers, the minds of the average person immediately go to the extremely successful shitty book series about to become, in less than a year, an extremely successful shitty film series. Although they're late to the party. We're late to the party with this podcast. They're really going to be late to the party. Yeah. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey already is now clogging up second-hand bookshops and um, uh, charity shops. I think all the, you know, all the faddy people who picked it up the first time have now gone off it. And it's... I bet, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether uh, the Fifty Shades film will do as gangbusters. I think the, in its favour, it'll probably be cost nothing to make. It'll cost the budget of the average millionaire for a week. As far as I can tell, it they are relatively unknown actors. Um, it, well... In fact, one of them is a model. They may both be models. But female um, models. It's uh, it's a relatively. She's she's not an unknown director, but she's not a widely known director. Mm. Um, they're trying to get an R rating as well in the cinema. Yeah, they're like, right, we've got to cut out this sex and that sex. I would have been vaguely interested You're if it had been NC seventeen. The whole point of what people loved about the books. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, they're not here for the character this isn't analysis. American really, cycle. there is no satire. No. Um, if they did it as a satire, that would be awesome. Again, that would be very... really, really awesome. <laughs> but not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway, so to, to go back to my, my original point. So they think they're being chased by this um, ex-boss. Oh, we're back to the plot. I know, I'm sorry. But there's a point I have to make here. Um, and it, it turns out that he's, uh, not only has he been um, uh, blackmailing all of his previous PAs by, uh, he has very rough sex with them and films it, to, <laughs> not to their knowledge, and then uses that to blackmail them. I don't know why I'm laughing at that. It's just that he, it was a sudden... I know, um, to, to, you know, be, do all sorts of things at his behest because otherwise they'll uh, release these uh, videotapes. Um, he'll release these videotapes even. And it turns out in the progress of the story, and again, massive spoilers, I don't care if you, uh, nobody should read these books, so I don't care what I spoil, frankly. Um, it turns out that, um, Christian, who, was brought up or until he was four lived with a very neglectful mother. Um, the and crack her, whore. The crack whore and her very abusive pimp. And at four was, a, was, went into foster care and was then subsequently adopted by, um, Grace and Carrot Gray. Um, and it turns out that Jack was in the same foster home as him. And a lot of this resentment comes from the fact that, uh, Jack felt that the uh, the Greys came and adopted Christian, they could have come and adopted him. And so Christian has got the life that he feels he ought to have had. Um, and he... Uh, that's... That's Will Scarlet in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yes, it is. Did I wrong you in another life? 
Where does this intolerable hatred of me come from? And that is better dialogue than you will find anywhere in Fifty Shades Freed. So it's not a very original book. <laughs> no. And and what what frustrated me about this this plot, and the, there is another event that is uh, intricately linked with this, but I, I'm going to come to that in a bit because there's something else I want to talk about in, in the positive elements that is connected with that. Um, but it reinforces this idea that, A, the world is full of sexual violence, um, and that, B... The world and all of the men in it specifically are extremely dangerous. And the fact that Christian is so protective of Anna is a good thing. Because if he wasn't so protective of her, you see, all of these bad men would come and rape her and kidnap her. Men with pointy teeth? Men with pointy teeth. Stop yes, no more, you'll just, just upset, upset me. me. I mean, he, he's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a point where he goes away on business and he's like, he keeps saying to her, you've got to stay in the apartment. It, you can't go out on your own. He's got security detail that follow her 24-7. Poor girl can't even go to the flipping toilet without being watched, it's a bit, it seems. I would um, imagine he has cameras in there. I would think so, yes. Um, and um, uh, she... Basically, while he's away, having said that she will stay home, she goes out to a cocktail bar with her friend and it's intended to be one drink and it ends up being quite a few. And um, he flies home early to rip her a new one about the fact that she went out when she said she wouldn't. And that made him worry. And how dare she? How dare she make him worry? And she's like, how does I'm this book finish? Woman. At what point is this in the book? Uh, this is quite near the beginning, actually. All right. This is this is after the the married and home and, and but basically it all just reinforces this idea that he's ridiculously controlling. He can't bear the idea of any situation um, not being out of his control because I think most people are quite uncomfortable about the idea of things being completely out of their control but he has to micromanage every minute of everything and he basically throws a tantrum if he can't and he won't accept anybody telling him that he's being unreasonable so basically and he hears what he wants to hear and he decides uh, that other people are being assholes. Absolutely, and that that it's his job to to protect the things he cares about, including Anna. And I do specifically refer to her as a thing because that's how he treats her, like his property. Um, and and he's got to protect her from the outside world. He is continually insisting that she accept um, that that she is now ridiculously wealthy, um, and she goes from being um, a, just a, a normal girl who grew up with a, an average family, not broke, but not wealthy, um, to going out with a black American Express card and being able to spend a thousand pounds on a pair of shoes for one night. She gets night to convert it in into sterling? Sorry, a thousand dollars on a pair of shoes for one night in a club. And it, it just, right, full disclosure, I have to be honest about this. I have a serious problem with money. Mm. I have a serious prejudice issue with people who have so much money that they don't have to think about it. And I, I will admit that. I have great difficulty accepting that people who are in that situation have any depth, um, that they have... Which uh, you admit is 
I, knee-jerk I, reaction and that's not from reality. Absolutely. Um, and, but it, it does make it very difficult for me to accept fictional characters who are not presented with any depth. You see, that's the thing. When it's a real person, I can sit down with them, I can talk to them, and I can reach the conclusion of whether or not they have any depth or understanding of what real life actually constitutes or, you know, all of the rest of the things that this, my internal prejudice about people who, not not just people who have money, but people who've always had money, people who've grown up with it, been surrounded by it their whole life, can't comprehend a world in which they could not just go out and spend a thousand pounds on a pair of shoes. Um, I could tell you two rich uh, fictional characters who do have depth, like stupendously rich, Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne. Yes. Darkness! Absolutely. No parents! But, you see, this is the thing. They are presented as multi-layered people. Anna is not responding to the cash that she is being surrounded by in a multi-layered way. She goes from, I'm uncomfortable about this, I'm uncomfortable about this, I'm uncomfortable about this, to thousand bucks for a pair of shoes? Yeah, why not? Literally. It's just, it's like a switch goes off in her head. Yes, I'm wealthy now. I can spend lots of money on things. These books sound loathsome. Yes. And read all together, they're nearly, they're more than 1600 pages. That's a lot. Of this garbage yeah. i did some checking each book gets consecutively a few pages bigger marvelous so yeah so and he's he's really getting involved in every single aspect of her privacy he's getting his family involved with this as well um his mother is a doctor and um there's a point at which um anna is hurt and um the or it starts off with her father's in a car crash and the doctors that are looking after him are not good enough apparently christian's mother has to come and get involved and then anna gets hurt and and his mother has to come and assess whether or not the care that she's receiving is is good enough um anna is pregnant at this point um and his mother not only finds out by reading her daughter-in-law's medical charts that she is pregnant um, i can't not think of the mother out of the room at this stage by the way yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, if they don't cast her, they miss a trick. Which, if she's not legitimately her physician, is a massive breach of an invasion of privacy in the first place. Not only that, though, flipping Hippocratic Oath out of the friggin' window, the woman goes and tells everybody that Anna is pregnant while Anna is unconscious and unable to get involved in this decision in any way shape or form sounds like she's pretty she pretty much has about as much influence on the decision whether she's conscious or unconscious it doesn't really matter well, everyone else decides her life for her exactly and i think so um, i mean speaking of by the way tommy wiseau as christian gray perhaps um just a big chicken chip, 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 chip. Yeah, no. he's probably a bit too naive and he's certainly not good looking enough. You don't think Mark, God, Tommy Wiseau's good looking enough? Put Mark in a suit. That's your Christian book. <laughs> Hi, Mark. How could you do this to me? You're tearing oh. me apart, Anna. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you can both drop off the planet. That's a promise. Over my stomach. Between my thighs, with his long-fingered hands, oh my. I tilt my head back, my eyes rolling to the back of my head, my mouth slack, and I groan. The pressure is building slowly, inexorably, inside me, 
Oh, my. He thrusts his hips again. His eyes are wide, wary, and filled with salacious need. Need for me. Need for my mouth. Oh, my. <laughs> now, as I said before, I am going to talk about some of the better elements of this book. Oh, and it, it has them where the previous books did not. However, I will say this. The positive elements do not save it because after them, what happens is E.L. James reverts to her previous idea of what constitutes the marvellous happy ever after. <sighs> so I don't need, do, you, do you even want me to talk about the positive elements or do you want me to just leave it there? In the interests of balance, yes. Talk about the positive elements. Okay, right. As we both know, a book which is purely based on um, uh, the progress of a very traditional um, idea of relationship, we meet, we fall in love, uh, we resolve whatever issues, we get married, we have kids, blah, 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 it's going to be very boring for me. And filling it with loads of sex isn't necessarily going to be... There's better porn out there, basically. There's better literary um, erotica that, that people can read, and I, I sincerely hope that they do. Because um, this, I mean, I, I was just literally, when it got to the sex bits, paging through, skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead, you know, get on to the next... <laughs> plot bit because yet there's only so many times that penis can go into vagina or, or riding crop can wherever. connect with us absolutely um and the, you know there's only so many times that you can describe these things before it becomes like yeah i know that happens and this happens <laughs> and, you know give, my give body some- explodes my inner goddess you haven't really talked about the inner goddess has she been retired in this one she hasn't no but it's just more of the same Right. My inner goddess is purring. My inner goddess is frowning. She's got her yeah. arms folded. Her, her inner goddess has a tendency to get very irate when Christian dares to speak to any woman who's even vaguely attractive and not related to him. Um, or, or when said women dare to speak to him. I, I can't remember how many, but Anna basically gets into the habit of saying to women, attractive women, once Christian's left the room, get your eyes off my husband! Or words to that effect. Uh-huh. Yeah, that does not sound like. A May they be very happy in the life me. they have made. Well, indeed. Tell me the good stuff, and so we'll get stuff. the fuck out of here. <laughs> good stuff, right? So, um, okay, well, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> now, there is actually a little bit more um, uh, uh, seeing things from other people's perspectives in this book it's quite compressed it only really happens in the second half of the book and it generally tends to get abandoned just when it's getting interesting which i actually found really immensely frustrating never mind the torturing to the edge of orgasm and then walking away the conversations that were actually getting psychologically deep and then they stop mid-sentence so that he can tie her to a cross and do things to her anatomy don't care about that care about the conversation you were just having continue with that that was interesting so um one of uh christian's ex-submissives leela who we discussed previously the the golema like girl oh, yes. um turns back up again christian having effectively paid her off he's um paid for her to go to art school he's paid for her to have intensive therapy uh, as far as he's concerned that's it his his responsibility towards her is finished he continues to pay for her flat and, and things like that uh, but he, he doesn't want to see her 
And um, she is clearly dealing with an awful lot of, of unresolved issues um, and wants to see him to try and get some closure. He, She basically knows the only way he will see her is if she turns up at Anna's office that he will think that Anna is in danger because he thinks that everything means Anna's in danger. And so therefore he will turn up and she will be able to have a conversation with him. So Anna ends up having this conversation with Leela and she actually starts to demonstrate some understanding of Leela's mental health issues and the fact that uh, her engagement with Christian and his behaviour has exacerbated them and, and caused her to be um, the way that she was, when, which I, I mean, it was ridiculously overblown in the earlier book. It's actually much more subtle in this one. Um, and although Anna is initially quite afraid of Leela because she doesn't know how she's going to behave, um, she's very brave and she sits down with her and talks to her, realises that Leela's not going to cause her any harm. Um, E.L. James manages to get across that, that Leela is this very wounded person. She's trying to reconcile this, this very confusing situation for her. Um, and then inevitably Christian turns up. He is in- incredibly dismissive of her, completely undermines the, uh, the starting to see the world from somebody's point of view other than her own that Anna was starting to engage with. Um, and pretty much chucks Leela out of the office and says, if you don't go and never darken this door again, I'll cut you off completely. And then they start to talk about it. And Anna is basically saying to him, she's challenging him for, for one of the first times in the entire series. She's saying, you are, this is not right. You cannot treat people this way. You cannot shit on them from a great height just because you have money and you can buy them off. It is not acceptable. And then sex. And we never go back to that conversation again. Oy. Yeah. Oy. So that that was annoying. But that conversation was actually starting to go somewhere interesting. Um, you've then got, um, towards the end of the book, um the previous sleazy boss who has been now we know hates christian hates his family um and basically what he does is he kidnaps christian's sister um and contacts anna and says you give me five million dollars or i will kill mia and um anna doesn't have five million dollars personally but she knows that Christian probably does. He's away on business at this point, And Jack has said to her, you tell nobody about this. Otherwise, I will fuck her up and then kill her. Again, this whole sexual violence thing. We know men are bad men are bad men because they threaten sexual violence against women. And that's absolutely terrible. And women must be protected from this. And rah, 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 rah. Rah. Um, so, uh, Anna goes to the bank and she's, she's trying to escape the security detail and, and do all this. It's again, it's, there's quite a lot of, of, um, bravery in the way she behaves, although Christian decides to refer to it as being reckless and having no instinct for self-preservation. Um, and, um, so she, she tries to go withdraw this money from the bank so that she can basically just pay Jack and get Mia back without uh, risking any harm coming to her. How does because one take it's... five million dollars out of a bank? Well, you see, this is the thing. 
because it's going to involve um, some of Christian's assets having to be liquidated, um, they contact him and say, your wife's trying to withdraw $5 million. Is this OK? Um, so they then have this very fraught telephone conversation where um, he, he basically says to her, are you leaving me? And um, she, she starts to say, no, of course not. And then she realizes that this is the only way she's going to get this money without telling him the truth. So she says, she says, yes, I'm leaving you. And he says, was it always about the money? And there's this whole thing where it, it, his insecurity starts to show because they're on the phone and he can't just fuck her and, and mess up the whole com- the conversation dynamic is actually really quite poignant. And there was a stage where he's, he's basically saying to her, look, just, just take it. It's, it's five million dollars enough. You can have as much, take it, take it all if you need it, but you, you have what you want. If, and he said, he has said this before. If you're going to leave me, you might as well take it all anyway, because you are everything to me. Um, and, and the money is nothing without you. And it's actually really quite a, a significant moment for him. And I, I had tears in my eyes at this point. It was actually really well written. Well, that's some feat considering how much you despise Absolutely. these characters. Absolutely. And I actually day. cared. And do you know why? Because it was honest. Because he was he was exhibiting genuine emotion, and then um, it it all kicks off, and she takes the money, and um, uh, then she's actually sneaked a gun with her and ends up shooting Jack in the leg, and um, so that so Mia's okay. With an air rifle. No, no, it's a, it's a pistol, um, and um, but Jack. Uh, beats her up, beats Anna up, and um, she ends up in hospital with cracked skull and, and unconscious and all the rest of it. And there's a, there's a quite interesting... Interesting? Of, yeah. um, interesting is one of the taboo words we cannot use on this podcast because it is actually the opposite of what it describes. Right. Interesting Unusual. is not a, a description. Unusual. In, in comparison to the way the rest of the book has been written, it is unusual. There's a there sequence of scenes where Anna is basically washing in and out of consciousness and she hears conversations that other people are having in her room. And basically, again, it's another example of Anna being not completely and utterly self-obsessed and only ever thinking about what's going on three inches beyond the end of her own nose. Um, so... Um, she hears Christian saying to his mother how scared he was about the prospect of losing her and how that made him feel. And his mother is actually really tough on him. And she says, after the way you behaved, I'm not surprised you thought she was going to leave you. She would have every right to leave you. And she actually challenges him on it and points out that his behaviour is completely unacceptable. And you never see her do that. You never see anyone do this throughout the whole series. That is one of the things that really frustrates me. Nobody ever says to Christian, this is bad, will you fucking stop it? The, the roommate, Kate, who started off being, this guy's a dick, stay away from him. Somehow she gets one round, and I'm not quite sure how, um, but somehow she, she basically comes to the conclusion, actually, he's, he's an alright kind of guy. Um, could be something to do with the fact that she's shagging his brother, but hey. Um, and 
but yeah, so, so this whole thing where, where Anna gets to see the situation through other people's eyes, whenever that happens, that's really good. More of that would have been awesome. There isn't very much of it, but more of that would, would have been great. You actually get a couple of characters in this one who do challenge Christian and don't immediately get slapped down. Um, there's a, a detective who's investigating, um, the, the offences that have been committed by um, Anna's ex-boss um, and he basically says to Christian not quite in so many words but he basically makes it clear to him that rich or not he is not above the law and he is subject to questioning just the same as everybody else um, there's a nurse in the hospital who kind of it, she's very stereotypical but basically she does not take Christian's shit Anna is ill and she needs to be taken care of in a certain way and she is not going to be told how to do her job by some arrogant prat um and these are these are tiny little bits they really are you totally have to try and pick them out of the mess of sycophantic idiots that just christian's marvelous christian's wonderful we must look at all the good things that he does and you know going on about how his what he invests in organizations to feed poor people in, in foreign countries and, and all this and isn't he a marvellous philanthropist and all this kind of thing it's just done so ham-fistedly you never see him doing anything good all you ever hear is him talking about the good shit that he does and the problem is that that makes it seem like it's all just talk um, and that he just wants to paint himself as a marvellous person so yeah I mean overall I would say that as a writer, E.L. James does actually seem to be getting better. The whole thing about, you, you know, you have a couple of really bad novels in you that you need to get out of the way before anybody permits you to do well, anything. Well, those are her Fifty Shades trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. She's now got to the point where I can accept her as a semi-professional writer. So... And now she never has to write again because she's she a multi-multi-millionaire. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, you know, so that is that is very frustrating. And the, ultimately, the, uh, the parts where she gets us to see beyond the very narrow perspective of, of Anna's point of view, um, they are far too f- uh, few and far between. And every time they do happen, it's interrupted by a complete revert to type. Um, and it, it's just... Uh, you you do kind of she does mitigate the very frustrating message of the first two books that basically all you need to overcome a lifetime of um uh, abuse and um uh, messed up emotion is unconditional love um the fact that anna does actually start to challenge christian in this book and he does realize um, what's wrong with him and actually starts to address that. And they actually have conversations where they start to talk about that kind of thing because she's challenged him, not just because, um, you know, she's thrown her arms around him and everything has magically come together. But like I said, if it just goes back to this whole um, everything in the garden is roses thing at the end, where does that go it goes nowhere it it totally drops the ball i what i would have liked to see at the end for me to go actually yeah that finished on an upswing and i i think it it did start to go somewhere positive i would have liked to see anna very firmly acknowledge 
that Christian's journey to being healed was still ongoing, that it was still something that, that needed to be worked on. Not, OK, he's got over the glitch. He's now going to be the perfect dad. This is sending quite a harmful message still that uh, you can have an epiphany and then it's it's all easily solvable. And again, this thing about, you know, the the, uh, the vehicle by which this is done being a, um, a BDSM relationship is complete. Oh, that is completely shat on in this book because there is a, uh, a very unpleasant scene in which they are having very that they're playing out quite a, a risky scene. And Anna we're talking. Has, I know Corrida risky. Probably not quite that risky. Risky for Anna, who who states that basically vanilla sex is her favourite. So she has a safe word, and it gets to the point where he's he's basically orgasm torturing her, and he's he's kind of doing this thing where he he's denying her fulfilment over and over and over and over again, and it, and eventually she she's realizes, going Rommel, Rommel, Rommel. <laughs> yeah, she realizes that that it's this is not about um, physical pleasure anymore. He is punishing her for the aforementioned transgressions, um, and she can't bear it. It's it's too emotionally overwhelming for her, and she uses the safe word. And he stops, and he unties her, and his reaction, rather than being. Okay, you've safe worded. We now need to remove all emotional intensity from this situation so that we can both come down and then we can talk about what happened. His response is, oh, my God, how could you use the safe word? You've totally devastated me. I thought you were enjoying it. And now I just, oh, how could you? What's the point of a safe word if it's not safe to be used? Exactly. And it, it becomes this emotional leverage that he he uses against her how could you safe word on me that's what a fucking safe word is you moron anyway so yes uh so in short there are positive elements they are rather outweighed by the negative ones unfortunately so it's basically a grain of rice on a seesaw of which the other side is a diseased elephant yeah that's that's a reasonable analogy i think there's a big mess up between them because Anna gets pregnant um, and it's an accident. She's supposed to be having um, contraceptive injections and due to appointments getting rescheduled, she misses a couple and um, and falls pregnant. And this he sounds goes, like dynasty. It is. It, it totally sounds is. like fucking soap opera bullshit from the 80s about rich people, which was so perfectly sent up in Arrested Development. You can't yes. do it straight anymore. Mm. Yes, this is true. So she's, he's, you know, ripping into her about how, is she stupid? Did she do this on purpose? Um, how dare she get pregnant? Uh, um, because they've only just met each other and they haven't had time to enjoy their life together. And now he's going to have to deal with kids. And it kind of swings into the part that I actually... It sounds like a pair of teenagers. Yes, this is the whole thing. They are both children. And children should not be having the kind of sex that they are having. This is why I get so frustrated by it. <sighs> um, 
so yeah, so it goes at the end. It goes to this sort of magical happy ever after, and they have the kid, and all is well. And um, Christian gets over apparently his deep seated terror that he will be a shitty father, and um, Anna's pregnant again. And despite all of the progress that they kind of make in the last third of the book, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, she's still avoiding talking about certain things because she doesn't want to anger him. Now, that tells me he hasn't made that much progress. And uh, it, it crops in that um, the, the birth of their first child went uh, went wrong and she ended up having to have an emergency C-section. And, I mean, for me, that's like, why does that even need to be in this story? Ugh. Flashbacks go away. And um, and then they're talking about what's going to happen with the, the second child. And he basically says to her, you're having an elective C-section. It's not up for discussion. You nearly died the first time. You're having an elective C-section. Now, I can understand that that's a position that a, a husband who loves his wife and saw her go through agony the first time would want to have that on the table. But you talk about it. You discuss it. You find out how she feels about it and and let her explore whether or not that is something that she is comfortable with. You don't say you are having this done and that's the end of it. She's about to give birth to your second child. She's not a kid. You, you're not her father. You're not her, you know, even fathers don't have the right to make that kind of decision. She's an adult. She needs to be able to, to talk about it and that they just move on from it. It's, it's there and he says, this is happening and I will not brook any opposition. And then they move on and everything in the garden is marvelous and wonderful. And oh, the sun's out and we're all happy and all the shit that was there before is still there. Nothing's been resolved. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> Hello, I'm E.L. James, Twilight Mom, millionaire and accidental author. If you're a woman, you've read my series Fifty Shades of Grey, because it's the law. I want to read to you today from my new book, Fifty Shades of Mom Porn. I wrote it in the cab ride over here. Chastity Rainstorm is a single 20-something living in New York City. Each day, Chastity toils away at her job as the editor of Brunch Magazine. Damn it, there is only one R in Bloody Mary. Yeah, I looked it up! One day, Chastity meets Edward Swayze, a billionaire vampire dance instructor who smells of white truffles. I watch you each day. I know you love venti macchiatos with a cinnamon straw. I thought those were discontinued. I bought Starbucks. And now that's all they make. Put your manhood inside my inner goddess now. Their passions consume them, and they do sex in the street. Chastity drops her macchiato. Oh, dear. Just then, Jacob Gosling, the beautiful shirtless bad boy carpenter, steps in. I like your Pinterest page. She continues to do sex with Edward while staring into Jacob's deep blue eyes. Blue as the ocean. Thus began the competition for Chastity's down there. I'm taking you to a tasting at my restaurant in Tahiti. Do torture sex on me now. Okay. Come behind. But I want to hear about your day. Please tell me about your day. Can you make it take forever and confuse me? Gives me an erection uh, of the soul. I was shopping with my mom at the mall and Jacob's engorged maleness throbbed with every confusing detail. Boing. Stop it, milady. I used my vast fortune to expunge the word moist from the English language. I know you hate it so. Can you 
guess what they did next? It! Oh, you stop! I practice tantric cuddling. But I like your skin. I like your best fur. I think you should get bangs. Then Chastity has an idea. Both men should compete in an erotic cook-off, and the winner will have permanent access to Chastity's lady garden. My dish is a chocolate-covered oyster braised in sea salt, nutmeg, chutney, saffron, and white truffle butter. You know, just a few things I had lying around. She took a bite and had a mouth orgasm. And a regular orgasm. And I made you this grilled cheese because I know how you like comfort food on a rainy day. Chastity orgasmed once again at his attentiveness. I can't decide. There's only one way to settle this. Penis joust. Hmm, I've written myself into another orgasm. (laughs) Just imagine how many orgasms it's going to give you. And with that, I think we conclude our journey... Uh, it's taken 14 months of exquisite torture. Um, but I reiterate, would you recommend reading this to anyone? No. Okay. No, I would not recommend reading this to anyone. You don't need to. There is nothing of value in there. Everything that has any semblance of being worthwhile, you can find elsewhere better. Is there any reason to go see it at the cinema, aside from morbid curiosity? In fact, I think that might be the deciding factor in a lot of people's bums on seats. Yes, I think so. How badly have they made this? I don't know. I'm sure there'll be plenty of... Uh, what, what are the um, E.L. James fan base called? Grayers. I, I, I don't know. Shaders. Grey lords. <laughs> um, I don't know. If there's more than 50 of them... Well, no, we know there's more than 50 of them. There's 90 bloody million of them. Well, no, no, Um, no, that that implies that each book cost a dollar. Why is it 90 million in sales? No, that implies that each person who bought it is a fan. True, actually, yeah. The amount of them that have been turning up in um, charity shops would rather suggest otherwise. It's a slim percentage of a slim percentage. At least the folk for baby grows that say my daddy is Christian Grey like that on them seems to have died a death I think on that image we must leave this wretched triple turd of a series I've been Alex Shaw I've been Sharon Shaw and thank you for taking the lion's share on this one I don't think I could actually have psychologically coped with getting through this so good night and Neural Neural handshake handshake complete. complete. You do realize that means you have access to all of those thoughts in my head. Audible.com presents Fifty Shades of Grey, the erotic best-selling novel read by Gilbert Gottfried. My inner goddess has stopped dancing and is staring too, open-mouthed and drooling slightly. Hear it the way it was meant to be heard. Keep still, he orders, and slowly he inserts his thumb inside me, rotating it around and around, stroking the front wall of my vagina. No fisting, you say. Anything else you object to? I agree to the fisting, but I'd really like to claim your ass! Famed voice actor Gilbert Gottfried gives a reading that can only be described as sensual. Holy fuck is this wrong! But holy hell, is it erotic? 
Let Christian Grey seduce you over and over again through the voice of Gilbert Gottfried. But when he hits my clitoris, I cry out loudly. Oh, please, I groan. Quiet, he orders. Not taking his eyes off mine, he scrunches my panties in his hand, holds them up to his nose, and inhales deeply. His hands reach around and touch my breasts, and my nipples pucker at his touch. Holy shit, this is hot. <laughs> 